and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. Back from our unintended break, I'm your host, as always, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here, also as always, with editor-in-chief of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. James, what's going on? I'm full of chocolate at the moment. Uh, yeah, me too, <laughs> yeah. kind of. Uh, for me, more jelly beans than chocolate, actually, but definitely uh, some chocolate. Yeah, every year at Easter, I, I try to kind of avoid it and not overindulge, but it's been difficult this year, so. It's just always around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just never <laughs> not around, yeah. <laughs> So, um, this is the Super Jump Podcast. If you are a new listener, we basically talk about dietary restrictions and chocolate intake and and how much <laughs> bad food you're allowed to eat during the holidays in order to not offset the rest of the good eating you're presumably doing via the rest of the year. But this week, we're going to talk about video <laughs> games. Um Remember, if if you are not a new listener and you're coming back because you you just love our, our sweet, sweet content, you can subscribe to our show pretty much anywhere. Um, CastBox for Android users is a favorite of mine, and obviously Apple Podcasts is a big one for iPhone users. Those are the two big ones I'd recommend, but I'm pretty sure we're just about anywhere podcasts are found. And also, if you want to see all the other great stuff that Super Jump is doing, because we are a, an online magazine in addition to a podcast, you can find us at our new um, our, our new web address, superjumpmagazine.com. Before now, I believe our default web address was superjump.online. Um, both of those work right now, but we're, we're trying to push everything to our new default of superjumpmagazine.com. Dot com. So if you want to add us to a bookmark or anything like that, you know where to do it. This week we're talking about a lot of things. We're going to talk about expectations in gaming because I think that is a big topic of conversation right now. Negative expectations, positive expectations, whether or not they can color the actual quality of a game for someone. But before that, let's jump into our Playtime Report. <laughs> So the Playtime Report is the part of the episode where we talk about what we've been playing since the last episode. James, why don't you kick us off? What you been up to? Yeah, so I'm still chipping away at Metal Gear Survive. I'm, I think I'm nearly finished, um, but I've, I've kind of slowed down a little bit in the last few days because I've been making way for um, Far Cry 5 and Sea of Thieves. Mm. Um, and I'm on my, oh God, I don't know, fourth or fifth playthrough of Bloodborne. Um, so there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, and I know we'll, we'll get into Sea of Thieves a little bit more in the show, uh, in the rest of the episode, but, um, Far Cry 5 has been interesting. Um, I'm still a little bit unsure how I feel about it. Um, I feel like that's a lot of people's take on it right now. Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> so I've been playing it primarily as a cooperative game. Um, that's one of the mm -hmm. reasons I wanted to get this Far Cry, because you can pretty much play the whole kind of uh, campaign, so to speak, um, cooperatively. And one thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is the case if you just play solo... But it seems to be like riddled with bugs. 
Um, Far Cry, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> That's not something really. I've heard. That's um. <laughs> well, we can probably talk about this in a second, but Far Cry 5's biggest topic of conversation is usually not the technical aspects of the game. And, no, at I'm... least where I'm at, it's it's for uh, it's subject matter for the most part. But really, it's just super buggy. Yeah, I was weird. Well, that's the thing. I was going into it really kind of keen on seeing what it was going to do with the subject matter. Mm-hmm. That's obviously been very controversial for numerous reasons for a long period of time. Just to clarify um, for uh, for listeners who may not know, Far Cry is a series of video games that usually take place in very exotic island or mountainous regions um, that, that have a certain aspect of survival games added upon a open world and open world first person shooter game. Um, mm-hmm. But this Far Cry is is less exotic in its uh, in its setting, at least for someone like me who is American, because it takes place in Montana, and it's controversial because the main villains of the game are a very Americana based religious cult, yeah, which a lot of people in America see as hitting a little too close to home for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, I was really fascinated by the subject matter, especially as a non-American, I think, um, sure. you know, coming, coming into it because for me, it's, it's, you know, Himalayas, Montana, eh, they're both the same. They're both exotic to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, um, so, so I was coming in really interested to see how they would approach the subject matter but i've kind of been distracted by the bugs um wow and okay on occasion they've been um, they've been almost game breaking at times um and and wow. so yeah i i don't know if it is something to do with the co-op online thing but we've had, I've been playing it with my sister and we've had all sorts of weird stuff happening. Um, we've had quests that have sort of broken where the game thinks we're in one location, but we're actually on the other side of the map. Um, we've had ally NPCs that they will appear for me, like I will see them in the game and my sister won't see them at all. Um, but she'll try to like get into a vehicle and she can't get in because there's actually a person sitting there that's invisible to her. Um, there's just been all sorts of weird stuff happening and, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping that they sort of, that they'll resolve it through patches and all the rest of it. But it has meant that although we've been having fun with it, it's been a little bit trying, like it's been a little bit frustrating to kind of get going and get moving Mm-hmm. Um, we, we keep getting stopped by these issues and that's probably meant that we haven't seen as much of the game as we would have liked. Um, in terms of the subject matter though, I think it, it's a really weird one because I, th- I gather that a lot of people were expecting this game to say something serious and significant about, um, you know, gun culture and white supremacists and, you know, to to be a commentary, a social commentary. 
Really, it's not. I mean, really, it's it's Far Cry with some window dressing. Um, it it I I have to admit when I went into it, I wasn't expecting it to have that commentary because I don't think any Far Cry really has ever said anything poignant or terribly interesting. Um, you know, each of the locales have kind of just been excuses to have fun in different locations, um, you know, to, to blow stuff up in different places. And, and this is kind of more of that. Um, okay. It, yeah. It's like the same in, a, in Montana instead. Pretty much like it, it definitely, the intro of the game kicks off in a, in a way that is, that I found actually quite frightening um, and, and really, stop me in my tracks um the intro is very very well done um but the minute you get past kind of the initial tutorial and you're just in the world it's just another far cry like it it just has different um different graphics like you know what i mean it's it's right there are some gameplay differences and mechanical differences and all the rest of it and there and obviously the story itself is different but so far, I'm unless there's some big revelation coming, um, I'm I'm not really seeing anything in the way of significant commentary. In fact, the only thing I would say is, um, you know, because you're in a game, because you're in a game where you're constantly shooting at stuff and blowing things up. More than anything, the game is kind of a celebration of guns <laughs> than anything else. Sure. It's, it's it's not the commentary that I think a lot of people were either expecting or hoping it would be. Well, it, um, I I liken it to um, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, where I understand that this game's development began so long ago, probably before even the uh, the the Trump Hillary election at the end of two thousand sixteen, probably long before that actually. Yeah. So even if they were attempting to latch on to something that was poignant at that time, it's just, it's things have changed so much. The conversation is facing a completely different mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that this game turned out this way um, to be honest, because I would have liked at least it to try to say something um, because I've, I've thought that I've, movies for a very long time don't really need to be niche or super directed only at one political end of the spectrum because they can be mainstream and political and say something at the same time. They, mm -hmm. uh, like movies are winning Oscars all the time that say crazy things about the world and mm -hmm. uh, make social points that are some, sometimes not even fully agreed upon before the movie comes out and then it changes a lot of minds that happens often um yeah and in video games it just doesn't and i really don't want video games as a, as a medium to go the direction of where comic books seem to have gone where there's so many great political and educational and eye-opening comic books but just the industry around them has catered so much to the Marvel DC superhero ideal that mm. 
the economic viability of those kinds of comic books have have gone down and and lately you've seen far fewer of them um which which is disappointing to me and i really hope that video games um doesn't doesn't find itself in that deep of a niche uh and i was hoping that maybe far cry 5 could be something of a combination of like an art house poignant piece and also a triple a video game but uh the fact that it didn't get there is uh, maybe i should have expected it but it's still a little bit disappointing to me yeah i mean i think the the tricky thing here as well is you it, it feels like if you're gonna go in that direction you have to marry the narrative with the mechanics in a way sure. that you know that makes sense so the thing with Far Cry uh, and and definitely with Far Cry Five is like you know at one point um, my sister and I were in a, a helicopter we both jumped out uh, we're parachuting down toward a prison um, and we both have rocket launchers and we're firing rockets from from the sky raining them down on this prison like it's what whatever narrative kind of pretense the game wanted to set up um especially if there was any subtlety or nuance to it it would immediately be undercut by yeah those mechanics yeah. you know so i feel like um the one thing i'd say about it is in some ways far cry 5 reminds me of a less a less intelligent version of gta in the sense that you know, when you play GTA, especially when you listen to the radio stations. Less um, intelligent than GTA. Less intelligent, yeah. Because wow, GTA, okay. the, the, the thing about GTA is, um, especially if you listen to the radio in GTA, GTA is a non-American's view of American pop culture. Sure, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing is obviously over the top and deliberately satirical. Far Cry 5, I think, has a very similar feel, but it's not as it's not as clearly tongue-in-cheek, if that makes sense. It's it's um it's it's kind of it kind of takes all of these tropes and all of these stereotypes about some of the more extreme aspects of America and plays them up in this very comic book way. Um so I can definitely see if, if you were a person who fit, who feels that you are, that you belong to one of the groups that this game ostensibly targets, um, you know, especially if you're in a certain religious groups or whatever it may be, I can see how you might feel um, targeted or, or offended by this game. But there doesn't seem to be any really serious message or it, it it's just it's just a great big um it, it's just a great big kind of comic book version of of america really and it it feels very much like a game that comes from an outsider's perspective you know it, it's how america uh could be viewed by non-americans to a degree Sure. I think the the biggest thing and I, I I have not played the game, but my uh my take on it from from reading what others have said about the game is that it seems like it's making sure that certain 
groups of people are target targeted like as you said the religious extremists in uh well really the montana is a weird place to put that because <laughs> that is religious extremism in that way that the game seems to be showing is is actually more tied to the american south and, and montana is in the north but that's um neither here nor there uh th those kinds of people are are targeted but because it's not saying anything it just seems to target them and, and then kind of release them off the hook it we, only lightly offends everyone instead of actually yeah. making a point and maybe that's, going double down on someone that's that's very true and the one of the most one of the strangest things about it is the 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 cult in the game um is very uh you know, they're kind of omnipresent everywhere in the world. And one of the things the game does that's kind of interesting is because this cult um, essentially controls the local television and radio and everything, you know, you hear their, their songs and their propaganda over the radio. And when you see televisions in the game, you'll often see these very slick TV advertisements that the cult do about themselves and as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is very Scientology. This is very, like, even though it's set, you know, it's got that kind of Southern aesthetic to it in a sense. Um, the, the actual TV advertisements, the music they use, and even the logo for the cult is a direct ripoff of Scientology. So it's a very weird, um, it's, it's a very strange kind of mishmash of all these different ideas. Yeah, that is strange because Scientologists, even though they are seen a, a, as um, very cult-like and uh, specifically American, they mm. are also very urban. Yeah, They're yeah, that's focused mostly so in Los strange. Angeles. Yeah, and and as I was playing the game, I'm I was commenting to my sister, and I'm like, this is really, this is very heavily kind of um, referencing Scientology everywhere. It's it it almost looks like they are the main kind of group that um you know that this cult is sort of based on it's sort of a funny funny mix of scientology and and christianity it's it's very very strange i'm wondering if this kind of conversation happens every time a far a far cry game is released but because <laughs> it's an american version of the conversation this time we're actually hearing it where before it would be isolated to their specific parts of the world because, I mean, it, it doesn't seem that different in the way it tackles just how you show who a villain is and how you show who a hero is and how you complicate those feelings via game mechanics from Far Cry 3 and 4. Yeah, I that's a really good point. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I, I get the feeling that these conversations are probably not happening to this degree in, in the countries where the previous games were based. I, this feels like a conversation that's very, that's sort of a very Western first world conversation in a lot of yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, I think that's fair. Yeah. But you know, it, it is interesting. And I think some people, some people complain about 
this conversation actually happening at all. But I think the, the way I look at it is, you know, this is just another example of games becoming bigger, becoming yeah. more mainstream, more big budget, appealing to more people. The more that games become a big mainstream medium like film, the more they these kinds of discussions are going to crop up everywhere. And the more I think people will be kind of um, more deeply interrogating and questioning themes and characters and that sort of thing. I think that's, that's a great just point. inevitable. And I, I, um, I respect to a to a certain degree the I, the argument that we, this conversation shouldn't be having at all happening at all only to a certain degree. But I, I I understand because we're not talking about how it tackles discovery like we would be talking about with Breath of the Wild or like feelings of mechanics like we would be talking about. For, excuse me for Assassin's Creed. Um, we're, we're just not talking about these parts of the games and the game could be making huge strides and that just won't matter um, to how the game is discussed. Uh, to counter that, though, I would say very, very few other games are in this specific kind of political gray area where you, you would want to talk about that. And many other games are trying open world first person shooter stuff where if we don't talk about that for Far Cry 5 this time, we'll talk about it for whatever the next big one of these is. So I'm, that's, that's how I'm feeling about it. Um, but I see you've, you've uh, just to get the show on the road a little bit, I see you have one more game that you've played. And uh, I've, I've also been playing this game, and I, I'm sure this is expected by a lot of people, Sea of Thieves. Um, we've been playing Sea of Thieves. We unfortunately have not yet been able to play together on Sea of Thieves, but uh, I want to do that soon. Yeah, yeah, I I really want to play. Um, I, I really want to play with a group. Um, and I <laughs> I was telling you, you know, before we started recording, that I'm I'm writing an article about solo play in Sea of Thieves, and one of the observations I made there in that article is that. Um, I've I've tried matchmaking, but I just don't. It's it's not a pleasant experience in Sea right. of Thieves. I feel like it's either you either have a group of people that you know and that you trust, um, or you play it alone. I, I feel like there's sort of no logical middle ground at the moment. Anyway, well, we'll have a lot of time to talk specifics about Sea of Thieves in our hot topic section just to round out Playtime Report. Um, mm. Because I I got Xbox Game Pass in order to play Sea of Thieves, which is, yeah. uh, we, we had a whole episode about this, but if, if you're a new listener, it's basically a Netflix-style collection of games that you can download and play for free on Xbox if you pay a subscription fee of $10 per month. So that's $120 per year, um, American. And in, in uh, comparison, if you buy two full $60 games, which, which is the normal price for an American AAA game, uh, in a year, that's also $120. So as long as you play more than two, it's all in a year, you're already... Uh, profiting from it so the first game that i played with that that wasn't sea of thieves 
was super hot, which I've been uh, hearing a lot about for a very long time, and I just never got around to it. I finally got around to it. Um, that's a good game. <laughs> that's uh, that's a really really good game. Um, yeah, I, super hot's really clever. It's really very cool. clever. Um, mm. It's a game where you're constantly in bullet time. Everything is moving at a just a crawl, unless you're moving. When you move or when you shoot a gun. Uh, everything speeds up to regular time. And there, there's some interesting meta plot narrative that they work in about that, uh, which I won't spoil for you, but it's it's a great game. And if you have Game Pass especially, I would definitely recommend you check it out. And finally, um, I've been traveling a lot. A week ago, I was in Colorado for a, a wedding, and I was the best man at a, at a wedding. And we played so much Mario Kart 8 in lieu of a um, in lieu of a bachelor party. We just we drank a lot, a <laughs> lot, a lot. Um, one of the uh, one of the husbands, not the husband. What am I thinking of? The groom's um, one of the groom's friends. He brought a collection of drinks that. Uh, they were all nautically themed drinks. There was Kraken rum, Cannon Blast rum, Captain Morgan, and he somehow mixed them all together into uh-huh. tasting good, which I don't know how that happened. That's some sort of <laughs> alchemy. But he made a bunch of those, and we played Mario Kart a lot, and we uh, combined Mario Kart with the drinks, and it only got better on both sides of that. Great, <laughs> great time. And in a completely different setting, um, I also went to... Arizona just uh I just came back from Arizona yesterday to visit my grandparents and on the plane with my 12 year old little sister I I brought out my switch and we each sat uh next to each other on the plane and we each had a Joy-Con and we just played Mario Kart the whole plane ride and that was great too that's that's something that we we had an article about it um about a about a half a year ago maybe longer yeah that was talking about how mario kart 8 deluxe's its benefits aren't in the new modes that it adds at all it's just in the ability to have a portable full-scale mario kart it can't really be understood how different that is i would argue until that is actually tried because that's a that's a game changer yeah yeah that's a really I'll, i'll never have a similar plane ride again to the plane rides i once went on a long time ago they will be forever changed thanks to mario kart 8 deluxe <laughs> your your pre and post switch yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that's uh that's been the playtime report we're gonna skip newsy nibble this week because frankly not a whole lot's been going on but why don't we take a break and pursue a selection of skin tight napoleon dynamite leg warmers at hot topic This week's hot topic, not high topic, is expectations, specifically high expectations. It's been on my mind because of Sea of Thieves. If you're a listener of your, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll know I've been championing Sea of Thieves for a very long time. I've uh, I've been super into it. I've, I've built up my own expectations very high, and uh, I, I you know it, it kind of didn't hit 
it kind of didn't hit that uh that level of expectation i i had for it um what what about you james you've been playing sea of thieves as well what what do you think how do you think it did compared to your vision of what it was going to be before the game came out well i um i didn't really follow follow the development very much at all. I mean, it was definitely a game that I was interested in. I'm, I'm always interested in what Rare do. Um, so it was sort of, it was definitely something that I was going to play. Um, but I didn't follow it closely, which is kind of good and kind of bad. Like in one way, there wasn't very much in the way of specific things or specific features that I was expecting. But on the other hand, just from the footage I'd seen and some of the articles I'd read, I, I sort of, I had some kind of, how would I word it? Almost like baseline expectations of what an open world pirate game would include. Mm -hmm. um, and when I played it, I was a little surprised. <laughs> I, um, I wasn't sure if I was just missing something or... And, and it was, part of it was um, the whole question of the actual um, amount and variety of stuff to do, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, that there was, there was less on offer from a gameplay point of view than I expected. Um, but also, and, and I have slowly as I've played more, I've gotten used to it i've acclimatized to it a bit more but when i first played it especially when i first got into combat it felt mechanically very raw um you know when you're when you're swinging the cutlass and you're hitting a skeleton there's this funny feeling of it not connecting and not being um uh, kind of kinetic enough. Um, um, it, it felt to me, and I know a lot of people have said this, it's, it's an overused term, but it felt sort of unfinished to me on a mechanical level. Um, yeah, I, I think that's been going around. Um, yeah, that, that sentiment. I, um, um, I need to clarify before we get too much further. Yeah, I, I will, I've played it a lot in the last um, week and a half or so since it's come out. The the mm -hmm. I've played maybe, I want to say over between 20 and 30 hours, probably closer to 30. Um, I've, I've yeah. played it a good amount. And yeah. I've played it in, in ways that I've generally enjoyed. Most of the time I've played this game, I have enjoyed it. And especially the first three to four hours probably are fantastic. Because before you understand what the loop is, it really does take you by surprise. Um, mm. the, the things that can happen. There, there's. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say a bunch of things that can happen. Don't get too excited because they're the only things that can happen. You, you can get a, a pirate treasure map from a, a group of people called the Gold Hoarders, and try to figure out, solve a riddle, try to figure out where this treasure chest is buried, dig it up bring it back to the boat you can get a an order for the merchants alliance to bring one shipment of something to another outpost uh you can fight off a crew of skeletons that have been 
brought back from the dead via a curse somehow, and you can find shipwrecks on the open ocean and swim down and get treasure from inside and swim it back up to your ship. And you can sometimes fight a kraken, which will just happen in the middle of when you would least expect it. It would just come up and surround your ship with ink, and then the tentacles would come up and you'd have to fight it. And you can even do what would be similar in an MMO like World of Warcraft to a raid where this giant skull cloud will appear over the horizon. And if you follow it, beneath that cloud, there is an, a fort that's full of skeletons, and it'll take a long time to kill all the skeletons. And when you whittle them down, uh, you can finally get a, a huge bunch of treasure from a vault. And all the while, when you do any of this, you're liable to come into contact with another player-driven ship that could collaborate with you, but way more likely than that, will try to shoot you down for little to no reason. The presumed reason is that they think you have treasure, but they'll do it just for fun. Um, all of that is is exciting for a little bit, and all of that is eventually tiring and all of that is all of that there is nothing else in this game to do um and i i think that is really the the sticking point for a lot of people there's no mm. weird encounter with some non-kraken monster that or just like a regular animal of any kind that's just a big challenge to overcome that'll never happen You'll never find, like, a dungeon and look through it for treasure, because all of the treasure in the whole map is randomly generated, so in case you ever find an interesting area, the the percent chance that the interestingness of the area will correspond to whether or not has it has treasure is, is just very unlikely. Um, all of these things are just repeated many, many times, and I, I believe the hope behind the development is that it'll have the same replayability value that people get from multiplayer competitive games where super smash brothers and dragon ball fighters these things have been doing very well and they are mostly just you play short matches against other people online again and again and again why won't that work for sea of thieves hmm. um and i think the answer that a lot of people are, are giving is just that that's a competitive thing versus a more cooperative thing. Meaning, you know, I'm not going to like play a round of Sea of Thieves and, and lose necessarily because a lose state doesn't technically exist um, mm. and, and try to learn from it and get better. Because uh, like, as you were saying, the, me the mechanical depth of Sea of Thieves is, is pretty raw. I think that's a good word for it. Raw. Um, it, it's very difficult to learn new things that make you better at Sea of Thieves past that three or four hour mark where you're just learning the basic game. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I think the, the, the key thing is like, um, I mean, it, it's definitely not going to have that Smash Brothers effect because no matter how you play it, no matter what voyage you undertake, um, you know, so voyages being the, Sea of Thieves equivalent of quests or missions. Right. Um, no matter what voyage you undertake, 
it seems to me that at a at a bare minimum you you kind of really need to commit at least 30 minutes to one session at a very minimum sure uh, yeah. and and that's you know that's presuming you don't run into a combat encounter with other players and things get more complicated um so it's definitely the sort of game that I think you you need to really be prepared to commit some time but the other the other thing is uh I I think for me I wouldn't mind <clears throat> the lack of enemy variety and kind of the emptiness of the world if the core mechanics were more interesting so the the example I think of and I think we talked about this on Discord is Imagine, you know, the same game, but it has the physics and chemistry system of Breath of the Wild. Right, so, yeah. You know, like you're on a big island, say, and th- this happened to me the other day, actually. I I had docked my little one-man sloop, my, you know, the, the sloop being the, the tiny little boat and the galleon being the massive ship. Um, I docked on an island. I'd gone onto the island to to find treasure. Um, I'd gone from where I docked to the opposite side of the island. So I couldn't see my sloop anymore. I had some treasure on there already. And I heard this commotion and I ran back over, like back up to the top of the island to get a better view. And this massive galleon had just docked right next to my sloop. Like it had blocked me in and it was just (laughs) pummeling, pummeling my sloop. And I, it was so lame. I think I actually screamed, no. (laughs) And I, I actually like hightailed it down the side, down to the beach, ran onto my sinking sloop and tried to grab up my treasure. Like I was killed in two seconds. It was pathetic. It was not, it was totally the wrong reaction to have. But what would have been really cool is if I could have, for example, been at the top of the island, seen a big boulder. And thought, right, screw you, and just pushed the boulder off the side of the cliff, yeah. you know, and had it land on the galleon, and like that sort of um, that. There's this real potential for this kind of emergent gameplay that's much more interesting with other players involved, but really because the mechanical depth is 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 so shallow, because the 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 mechanics are so limited. Um, it, it feels like there's not much space for these different possibilities to actually happen. And so, as I say, without much other content, if I just had this, you know, this kind of physics or chemistry system where I could find a creative way to, you know, set their ship on fire or, as I say, drop a boulder on them or do something to kind of even the score and make it more risky for them, um, I think that would have been much more interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I got, I, I, again, I've been enjoying the time I've spent with the game, but I think I've been enjoying the time I spent with the game only as much as I've enjoyed the company of the friends I've played it with. Um, yeah. Because what it it turns into a lot of the time, um, I I I play with any any number of friends I've I've met online, and and they're great because I like talking to them, um, but I I like it about as much as i like talking to them on discord or skype um we were Mm. we were talking about this the other night james um and i i think i brought up that 
what it what the game was kind of pitching to me was that like it's a systemic game like breath of the wild or minecraft where all these different kinds of things can happen but i'm playing it in an mmo space like world of warcraft so these things happen and i just make stories with my friends that's that's kind of the way i i feel it's been pitched and really with the way that the reputation system has gone uh which by the way it's just a really really long repeated grind to make your reputation go up to level 50 i'm in about level 20 with everything uh Mm -hmm. with all three uh things that you can level up and in order to get to pirate legend status which which opens up new brand new content in the game um you need to get to max level which is 50 with everything and uh the thing that they actually made is not minecraft and world of warcraft it's more like cookie clicker which you you just want to watch those numbers go up and skype it's a combination of cookie clicker and skype which Mm. is not fully without merit i suppose it's a different kind of thing than i was expected it's it's diff it's definitely not on the mark of where my expectations were and that's what i want to talk to you about today james um should we always just keep our expectations really low always <laughs> for everything because you'll never be disappointed it'll never uh it'll never turn out too much worse than you would expect oh that's <laughs> that's um look it's tempting to say yes to that but i don't know i mean i think i think it's i think part of the fun of being a gamer is getting excited about stuff that's coming in the future. I mean, there's an element of like, you know, we're excited about the games we're actually playing at the moment that we have in our hands. But, you know, like when you, when you see a big E3 presentation, um, you know, and, and a company unveils a big, you know, a new entry in a big franchise you love and people go crazy. And I think there's a lot of fun in that. And, um, you know, and developers and publishers know that, um, and, and that kind of anticipation leading up to a game's launch where people are, are speculating and, you know, they're, they're pouring over the latest screenshots. And I think all of that stuff is really good fun. Um, so I wouldn't want to kind of, I wouldn't want to be the, um, like the Debbie Downer that walks into the room <laughs> and sort of says, well, guys, don't get too excited until you play it, you know, just <laughs> keep your expectations low, you know. Um, like I understand why people get excited and I do too. I guess, I guess I just kind of try to hold two ideas in my head at the one time. Like I, on the one hand, I I definitely get excited about stuff, but I always feel like, you know, the only way to ever judge anything is to have that direct one-on-one experience with it. And, and also to be not too quick to judge as well. Like, you know, I've definitely known people that have played an hour of a game and decided, oh, you know, it's it's not for me or it's it's not a good game or whatever. Um, you know, and sometimes that's fair enough, I guess. But I, I try to sort of um, sit with a game for a while to see how I really feel. Yeah. And there have been games that have actually grown on me that I 
didn't really like at first that that ended up really growing on me and um the biggest example of that is actually bloodborne uh it, it went from being something i was fascinated by but found so brutally brutally difficult and punishing that i just wanted to give up and i thought no this is just not for me at all to now i'm not really into like um favorite game lists per se but if i really had to choose i'd say bloodborne is possibly my favorite video game ever wow um including all the marios and zeldas and everything uh so uh, yeah i don't really know what the answer is i i think people are going to be excited either way you know i i think it's i think you've just always got to not get too carried away with it that's all um are, are there any specific times you feel like your your expectations were too high for something notably too high for something and uh it just didn't make it any times that jump out to you probably sea of thieves is one um (laughs) but okay (laughs) but like you i mean you know it it's easy to get into this i think a lot of people get into this like zero sum discussion where oh you know sea of thieves disappointed me therefore i'm gonna dismiss it um i know we're not doing that here but I, even though I'm a bit disappointed by it, I'm enjoying it. Like, I'm still playing it. I'm still going to yeah, play it. Yeah, I'm still playing um, it too. I'm still... And uh, I, I, uh, I'm still playing it in the hopes, mainly, that uh, certain player-to-player encounters happen again that I found really interesting. On the first, yeah. the first or second day that I was playing, I tried raiding a Skelly Fort with my, with my friends and we um be, when we got to the fort which takes a while when you see the skull it's much further away than it looks there were two galleons there two crews of four people each parked at this fort and they were firing at each other and we figured hey if we can convince one of them that we're their friends and we sink the other one w- wouldn't that be great so we tried to fire down the galleon further away from the fort, and once they sunk and all of the members of that crew uh, respawned on their ship somewhere else on the map, I went over uh, with with uh, my friend Jeff, uh, Jeff Perez, who is uh, a huge fan of Sea of Thieves, we went over and we talked to that boat and we were like cooperation cooperation do you want to tackle this fort together and they said yes and we uh we brought down the fort together something that probably would have taken an hour or so with just one crew uh took just under 20 minutes with the two of us working together and then we split the, the treasure equally and then we just went on our merry way i thought that was awesome and i thought that was yeah. a great um that was a great reach for the potential of what sea of thieves could be so yeah. i'm i'm still playing and i I hope i see more stuff like that because that's that's great and i think that is the best part of the game um but I, yeah but yeah, yeah. It, it it just didn't hit the level i i thought it was going to hit and uh a lot of people are saying hey all these things that you think should have been in the game like a a story 
quest like a like a chain of story quest to do or something like that um maybe they'll be in the game just a little bit further down the road you don't know because this game is uh rare and microsoft had said that they are going to support this game for many years which is exciting but it also means that it launched in the least exciting way possible because the worst version of the game the worst the game will ever be is the thing that we were supposed to be the most excited about which is the game's launch um and that might just be an issue with games as a service because sea of thieves definitely is one of those uh it's a lifestyle game that might just be an issue with that they're they're never best when you want them to be the best um they're only best later yeah i um i've definitely seen versions of those positions online and and i have to say especially when when people say you know such and such content might be coming out in the future etc to me that's a bit like saying yeah the check's in the mail like okay great that's wonderful but i i feel like you know i can get excited about that but in terms of me deciding for example like in terms of me deciding okay we're finishing recording i'm now going to play sea of thieves you know i'm making that judgment based on the content that's there now that I can access right now. Right. And is it worth playing now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I said, despite my, my disappointment, I do think it's worth playing and I am enjoying it and I am enjoying, um, you know, as great as it will be to play it with a group. I'm, I, I actually think there's something to the solo experience. If you're a certain kind of masochist sure. uh, and, and maybe, maybe it's my bloodborne and dark souls experience coming in that that make it um that give me that perspective i don't know um the but in terms of like any any other times i was had high expectations and was disappointed i think the only one i can think of and it's probably a little bit unfair but the only one i can think of is dark souls 3 um because i i did have high expectations for this because you know Dark Souls 3 was kind of marked the return of of Miyazaki to directing the franchise. He he had directed Demon Souls and he directed the first Dark Souls game. The second game is there's a whole lot of controversy about it within the community. It it had two different directors um who were not Miyazaki and a lot of people see it as the weakest game in the series and kind of the black sheep. It's very different to the others. And so the third game was kind of this, um, oh, you know, everything will be okay. Miyazaki's back. You know, it'll be even better than the original Dark Souls and all that stuff. And I mean, it it was a great game. I highly recommend playing it. Like it's an awesome, awesome game from software on their worst day are better than a lot of developers on their best day. But would you say it was um, their worst day? Uh, it's, I would say that it, it kind of ticks all the boxes, like the mechanics are great, the graphics are great, the soundtrack is great. But <clears throat> one of the most important things in Dark Souls, I think, is, is kind of the narrative and the characters. Mm-hmm. And without going down that rabbit hole too much, Dark Souls 3 sort of disappointed a lot of people in that area it it was it felt like 
to a large degree, it was cashing in on kind of the legendary status of the first Dark Souls game without actually charting much in the way of new territory, Um, especially given that Miyazaki had just made Bloodborne, which was so different and unique and came together so well. Um, So I think a lot of Dark Souls players... There are some big defenders of it, but I think a lot of Dark Souls players probably were slightly disappointed. Um, so James, you're Dark a journalist, kind of. We're we're journalists, kind of. We're both we're we're all <laughs> yeah. Emphasis on the kind of yeah, but <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and um, we're we're media more than kind of, I would say. Yeah, a lot of the arguments that I've been hearing about excitement actually have to do with us specifically kind of (laughs) um (laughs) do we as journalists have a duty to not get as excited about things as the rest of the gaming community if we let ourselves color the announcement of an exciting game or the reception of a problematic game with our own levels of excitement is that bad are we not doing our job of uh providing as good as we can a, an unbiased report of what's happening in the gaming industry um it's a tough question to answer because i think i think because uh, i gotta some... if i can just jump in i i'm i'm very yeah. conflicted about saying the things yeah. i'm saying about sea of thieves on this podcast yeah I was uh, I I got to meet a lot of the development team um, in in the last two E threes of of Sea of Thieves. the uh, The head of Rare follows me on Twitter, and I I have to say, I don't I don't like the game that much, and I'm I'm already pretty I think compromised in that way uh, um, about like what I feel comfortable talking about, e- even though I'm. I'm trying to be as honest as I can on on this show. I think I will always be as honest as I can on on the Super Jump podcast. Mm-hmm. That's never a concern. But to add another thing on top of that, just like my own personal excitement on top of that kind of thing that journalists often have, because journalists often know many like developers and publishers, which that's just the way the industry works. Um, that that's just one further way of complicating an already difficult conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I think it just comes down to being reasonable and professional about it, really. I mean, you can you can be excited about it. You know, I mean, we've said many times on this show that we we probably lean more toward the Nintendo side of the spectrum in terms of our personal histories and personal interests. And there's no question in my mind that, you know, if Nintendo came out tomorrow and announced Breath of the Wild 2, I would be extremely excited about yeah, it. Yeah, there's no I'd way. Really, <laughs> there's you there's know, no like, way to counter I, excitement on that one. That would be very big. Yeah, like, and, and it just is what it is. But I think at the end of the day, say it came to the point where I was reviewing that game uh, and it disappointed me. Um, I think it's, it's fine to come into that review saying, you know, I, I have a history with this franchise I'm a big, big Zelda fan, which means I understand Zelda. I know what Zelda fans are looking for. 
but I was disappointed on this occasion. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I, ah, beans. I, uh, this is future Mitchell, um, slightly future than the one you were just listening to, but still passed for you. So audacity is a trash program that they give out for free. And it did eat the last 10 minutes of the show which is what you would be hearing right now if not for the fact that that happened. So I think we were pretty much wrapping up our discussion on expectations anyway. Um, We discussed whether or not it was the responsibility of developers to touch on expectations. We discussed whether or not it was uh, the responsibility of journalists to either not have or to accurately set expectations for others. Uh, in both cases, we decided, eh, maybe. <laughs> um, and then we went on to close the show shortly after, so you didn't miss much for our after-school activities. James recommended Super Bunny Hop. It's a YouTube channel, uh, specifically the video he did on... Metal Gear Solid 3, it's called Critical Close-Up Metal Gear Solid 3, and it's it's just a wonderful video, I, I back up his recommendation 100%, uh, Super Bunny Hop does a just a really in-depth narrative kind of review of, of Metal Gear Solid 3, and he also does um, the same kind of thing for both Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4 that I, I've seen, and I, I've really enjoyed both of those. Uh, so that's great stuff. And mine, my after-school activity was, why don't you, uh, why don't you go make a nice salad? Why don't you just make a great, a great cob salad specifically? You can put some tomato cutlets in there. You can put some, uh, some chicken, some bacon. If and if you fry up the bacon, use that bacon grease to uh, saute some mushrooms or some onions, and then you can put those in there too. That's great. People don't like to put like cooked vegetables and salads too often and i think that's a mistake i think it can work really well with mushrooms and that kind of thing um so that's the after school activities finally if you want to remember to always listen to the show but hey remembering things is pretty hard uh no worries you can have a computer do that for you by subscribing to us on either itunes or Castbox or whatever you use and if you can leave a review on any of those things, that's great. But even better, if you can tell a friend, we don't really put too much money or effort into advertising the show. So word of mouth is so important to just how we get our word out. Our theme song is Battle Against a Clueless Foe by Shane Meza off of his soundtrack from Mother 4. So with that in mind, we'll hit you up next time. Stay super. Stay super.